The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Richard. Hello, Darren. So we're back for part two of this incredible story that we were sharing last week, and I thought I'd just put people back in the picture again. So um, this is uh, three poems that you had published in Psychic News, uh, one of the most prestigious uh, psychic journals, certainly the Journal for Mediums. And um, last week what we shared was a poem that you had received from Dante. So if anyone wants to to listen to that, just want to hear some of the discussion about that, go back to last week and check it out. But this week I wanted to go on to two others that you received, kind of as part of, which you published as part of this kind of article here. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what's incredible, just to highlight again for anyone tuning in for the first time on this episode, is that these are actually sort of like insights into the nine freedoms, which as you say, they are studying there. That's the whole point of it. And that that is in the Psychic News article. It's Mm. made crystal clear. So I've got to give credit to Psychic News, which is, I think, started in 1932, a very reputable, almost like the, the, the medium's Bible, you might say, in terms of, of a journal mm. and they they published this completely straight and it's certainly different from a lot of the other sort of mediumistic they stories get you get which yeah. can be as i said last time more domestic but you know helpful to some people yeah um this is very elevated and it's all about the nine freedoms which is being studied and dr king made this absolutely clear on the higher realms and mm. they are gaining far more from the nine freedoms than most people on this realm yeah. and of course the nine freedoms is <laughs> our core teaching on the spiritual freedom show. So I think I think I'll just say before we get into this next one here that not only I think is this you know an incredible demonstration of channeling and therefore evidence of that but also we've got here these three literary greats and as you say they are studying this teaching which we are all being inspired to study here as well yeah. and to make it part of our Indeed. Life. Indeed, yeah. So last time we had Dante, uh, we were talking about bravery. You gave it the title, The Currency of Truth. Yeah. I, I really encourage anyone to go back to that. It's, it's a, a spiritual teaching in and of itself, I felt. I mean, a lot of inspiration there and even a call to arms for anyone inspired mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. But tell us a little bit about the second one that you, that you received. Just before we leave Dante, one oh, yeah. thing he made, he made very clear to me is that he's a, a, a massive admirer of Dr. George King. And this, I think, is why he even bothered to speak to me. Okay. Um, because he knows I was a very close disciple and friend of Dr. George King. And that to him is a, probably my calling card. Plus mm. I could, you know, with a lot of effort, actually receive the message. Yeah. Yeah, but coming on to the next one, um, this was given uh, sometime later. I, it was given in the 28th of December, 2014 by Tolstoy. I know this is contentious. I'm not asking people to take my word for it. Uh, if they think that I'm capable of, of writing these myself, thanks so much. You know, <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, I take that as a fantastic compliment. So okay. I'm either a brilliant writer of, of literature mm. or I'm a really quite a, a good medium. It's one of the two, you know, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Um, because these are really good. Now, the Tolstoy one actually isn't strictly a poem, I should say. It's, okay. it's um, in prose. Okay. And when I got it, as I mentioned last time, I, my conscious mind was fighting it a bit. I, you have to completely detach from that. You don't, can't think about it at all. Because I, if I, I don't know much about Tolstoy or Russian literature at all. Mm. But if I was going to try and imitate Tolstoy, I wouldn't have written this. I, you know, I'd have written something sure. about some sort of a somebody in the army who met a beautiful woman in a noble house or something. You I know. See. Yeah. But this one is called 
the Lion and the Lamb. That's my title, not his title. Okay. Shall I read it? Yeah, please do. A rampaging lion roams the jungle, teeth bared, on the lookout for his prey. The call of the wild has brought him here and naught can stop him now. A lamb caught in the thicket bemoans her lot. Too loud, he hears it and swoops down upon her tender frame. But lo, what song disturbs the scene of imminent destruction? A warbling sound from the trees above distracts them both. And then these words are spoken. Release this lamb and you will be fed, for it does not belong here. It is the lamb of God. The warbling stops. A strange silence pervades the scene, and in that silence something happens. Love passes through the jungle. Its radiant glow enfolds the lion who stops in his tracks. What feeling is this? A light falls upon him, and in that light he feels no hunger. His warlike passion subsides, and something new fills him, peace. He looks again, the lamb is gone. Even its scent has disappeared, and the thicket is empty. He sits and rests, mouth closed. The light subsides, the sounds of the jungle resume, and there before him is a carcass, appetizing, ready to consume. He looks again and thinks carefully. I will eat that later, but first there is much to reflect upon. And so a lion became the first king of the jungle because he was king of himself. It's like um, Christianity and yoga teaching rolled into one. Isn't yeah, it? it's, like... it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's inspired by the second freedom. Um, and, you know, written in less than five minutes, okay. you know, when I received it. And I think what they did, they took a theme. So Dante was bravery, okay. this was love, and then wrote around it. Mm. And it's a parable. And I later found that he, he, he wrote something I didn't know called Stories from Zoology. And he, they were parables using animals. Yeah, it's incredible. It's completely unknown to me. And I think maybe it was written for children, I'm not sure. And it's in that kind of style, but it's, there's some beautiful things in there and a great message in there. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful and profound message there. And as you say, it's amazing that, th you know, this is not his mainstream well-known style, as you would no, say. And, no. and like, you know, not the one that you would imitate if you were trying to, you know, pass something off as Tolstoy. This is something that, you know, much lesser well-known, one you didn't even know, and yet no. here it is sort of manifesting that style. And I should put a caveat in, which is that I don't know that that, I mean, some people have told me the Dante style is very close to the sort of tenor of Dante, mm -hmm. and I've even had, with the one that was in God's Guides and Guardian Angels, somebody said to me, well, that, before I revealed that it was Dante, that is just Dante. Really? Who, who knows Dante? I, I didn't. See, I couldn't I have see. said okay. that, really. This may or may not be similar to the style of Tolstoy. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, people evolve, people change. And as I said last time, I don't know for a fact that all these three writers have not reincarnated in the meantime, but they've mm. come back and mm. used that persona. That does happen, by the way, mm. in communications. I see. Um, and, you know, in order to deliver this, they assume a, a life may not be their last life. So there could be some differences in style, but the, the use of a sort of parable using uh, animals 
is something he did, which I, I didn't know. Can we just, um, you know, to put people more like in, in, in the scene of the experience, you know, mm. uh, you know, people who might be, you know, starting to develop their own psychic abilities, mm. people who are starting to just, just to give people a sense of what is it like when you are being contacted with a message like this? Well, let me tell you the first time it happened. Okay. Very clear cut yeah. time it happened. It's in my book, Unlock Your Psychic Powers. And I went to visit someone, and I think it would be 1980, that long ago, so we're talking 40 years ago. Okay, yeah. So I've been working at this for a long time <laughs> and really honing in. And uh, definitely I made mistake in, mistakes in the very earlier days. Um, but now that's why I work so hard and make such an effort to not allow my thoughts to come into it. Mm. You know, that's taken me a while. Obviously, mm. if, you, if you're able to go to the next step, which I've never done in mediumship, an endosomatic trance, then you would absolutely bypass the conscious process. And that's why Dr. King is so accurate, as well as being so elevated. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm in the kindergarten, I'm not even in the comparable with what he did. All this does, I think, is prove mediumship. Unless you think I'm an outstanding, brilliant writer, um, <laughs> which thank you very much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but the first thing I, uh, happened, I went to Switzerland. I was sent there by Dr. King to, oh, yeah. to visit a very good member of the Ethereum Society, actually. And I, I went to see him and I was talking to him, bringing him up to date, an elderly member, about some things that are going on in the society. But well, I was in his apartment in, in Switzerland and I had... A message came through, and I saw somebody in in military dress, sort of a, a white military mm -hmm. jacket with medals and so on. I, I, this was clairvoyance. Okay, yeah. Um, I had an impression of them, and there they were, and they said, "Go over to." No, I, I think first of all, I've got to get the story exactly right. But so I might have the order a bit wrong. But sure. I said something like to this person, "I said, Eric, um, someone's here." And Eric looked really kind of worried, you know. Mm. You know is it, are you losing it? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I feel sick. Yeah. Then this person standing there said, um, "Tell Eric he's an ass." <laughs> like that. So it was a very posh military gentleman. Tell Eric he's an ass. You know. <laughs> so I didn't do that. Yeah, okay. I was so going to ask my next question. Then he said, "Go to the, go over to the uh, bookcase and pull out an encyclopedia. It might have been Britannica." And he said, look up the name Rommel. Okay. I thought, Rommel, that's a German general. You know. Yeah. I looked it up and he said, turn the page and go read, read out loud such and such a paragraph. Might be in the third paragraph or particular. And I read it out to Eric. And this described how Rommel had captured a particular British general by the name of Major General Victor Fortune early in the war. And I read this out to Eric and his eyes popped out. He said, Uncle Vic. No. It was his uncle. Now, you know, there you have, I mean, I couldn't pick out a book, read the only paragraph in a book which related to his uncle. His relation, which he had yeah. no so idea this, of. So this, yeah. I mean, proved it to me, proved it to him. Yeah. Um, and there he was. And then, of course, he'd come. Very common thing, you know, to prepare him for his passing. It's the last time I actually saw him I see. alive. And it was a message that often happens. A relative might come and sort of t give some co consoling message. But that's how it started, though. So that was the first time I had, as you might say, absolute carte blanche proof. Not yeah. the last, by any means. Um, and then it sort of went from there. 
And in that case, I wasn't getting a word-for-word -word communication like I'm getting I see. with these literary giants. So what would you, what would you consider? And, and also, may I just, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, say that called Major General Victor Fortune, with all greatest respect to him, is not on, I, I wouldn't have thought anyway, anywhere near as high a realm I as see. these three. These three may not all be on the same realm, by the mm. way, but they're certainly on very high realms, I believe. Yeah, okay. And so w when you when you were saying you didn't literally hear the words, was it more of like a telepathic impression? So it starts or? as an impression. Okay. And, you know, I've had, and, an impression is fine, as long as you know it's an impression. And not your imagination. You and mean. not your imagination. Then, yeah. then as I developed, um, so it's a, it's a combination of telepathy, clairaudience, and clairvoyance. I think clairaudience is very useful. Now, let me just say quickly here, because we could go off on quite a thing on this, mm. but you know, hearing voices can be dangerous. I want to put that out right now. Sure. Um, and it can be a form of schizophrenia. Sure. Uh, and your imagination can kick in. So there's, there's all the difference in the world between that, a mental health condition where mm. you think you're hearing voices and actually it's your imagination. Although I will say that some people who are, um, you know, considered to be diagnosed as schizophrenic and, um, you know, imagining they're hearing voices could in some cases, be hearing lower entities. So there is this crossover, actually, between mental health sometimes and psychic experiences. But none of that is what we should be seeking. You're, you're seeking to have you know, a clear message. If you don't know, and very often you won't know, that doesn't matter. Three of the most useful words in the developing psychic's vocabulary are, I don't know. Mm. And psychics often find it difficult to say that. They think they've got to know everything. I, I went to do a radio interview once, and there was a policeman there. It was about unlock your psychic powers. Oh, yeah. And when I got to the studio, I think it was Radio London, this policeman was also being interviewed about something. I asked, um, where, where is the, the gentleman's toilet, please? And this idiot, as I would like to call it, <laughs> this policeman thought he was being very funny, actually said, oh, you're psychic, you should know that. Okay. And, I, and I thought, <laughs> okay. you know, the day I use my psychic powers to find a toilet, I'm giving up. <laughs> yeah, instead of world service and other things yeah. you're called to do. Yeah, okay. So, um, so that's fascinating about, you know, that first experience. So that's kind of the first kind of proof, as you say, of like that this was definitely yeah. something. To me, it proved it to me. A genuine outside to impression. Eric, because oh, yeah, of course. He hadn't told me. I had no idea. It wasn't the same name, by the way. He wasn't called Eric Fortune. I see. So, you know, it was on his mother's side. Even more so. so I not didn't only, know his, his yeah. mother's Not only the book, not only the paragraph, but then reading that yeah, and not even. That was a yeah. carp It's not like you could pick that yeah. out. You know, some real conspiracy theorist could say, well, Richard Lawrence found out about this, <laughs> went over, okay. set the thing up. You, yeah, know. Okay. you can always come up with that, but that's why I always tell people to unlock your psychic powers because then, then you know. For yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've run an unlock your psychic powers workshop and I've had somebody who's never done it before in that workshop giving um, a, a, a psychometric reading to somebody else they've never met before and say to them, you've got a puma. A what? A like puma. a cat? Yeah. Like now, how many people have a, a, a puma? <laughs> I, I've never actually I'm, met anyone who has no, a puma. Even. And this woman had a puma. That is But random. the important thing was, I mean, actually the woman knew she had a puma, so she learned nothing. But the person giving the reading 
could not have come up with that. I see. And they'd never done it really before. Yeah. They weren't a practicing psychic. And I'll tell you the best I've ever had. I was running a workshop at the Festival for Mind, Body, Spirit in London. Mm. There was about 150 people in the audience. We were doing psychometry. And I'd gone, picked up some stones from a beach, and I brought them to this class and passed them round to people who, who weren't psychics. They'd, most of them hadn't done it before, but they certainly, if they had, they weren't practicing psychics. Right. And we passed these stones around the whole audience. We had a lot of them. And they were just asked to feel them and give their impressions. And what I was hoping they might think, okay, this is a pebble of a particular beach in Cornwall. Uh, I gave them no clues. It could have been from anywhere. You wouldn't know. It wasn't actually a pebble, little little stones. They, right. they could have come from a path. They I could see. have come from dry land. They mm. could have, so I was hoping they might pick up sea or you know something general, and that would be good. That would be fine. And mm. this is absolutely gospel truth, Darren. Someone in the audience put up their hand and said, I'm picking up Damer Bay. And Damer Bay is a small beach in Cornwall, and that's where I got the stones. Wow. Now, if you had, wow. I don't know, Yuri Gellif or some famous psychic went out and demonstrated that, you gave him a stone and he picked the bay it came from, he'd be on a massive uh, successful money-earning, <laughs> probably, uh, tour. Yeah. This was an ordinary woman who'd never done it before. That's what I love no about this story. That's what I love about this story. no idea. What yeah. We had no way of knowing. Because mm. I think, you know, for anyone who, who's, who's watching this and think, and think, you know, I'd love to develop these psychic powers. Can I develop these psychic powers? I mean, there you've got someone, as yeah. you say, who's a complete beginner, who's, who's just there sort of like, Curious, maybe even, just to see whether there's something they can do. Well, that's what I want. Everyone who comes to an Unlike Your Psychic Powers workshop, I want them to walk out of it knowing they're psychic. Okay. Knowing yeah. that they are psychic, that they can do this. And I've yet to have anyone... I think I've definitely taught thousands of people, and there's only two people, I think, who've ever told me that they haven't gained it during that... Mm. event mm, mm, mm. and you, you know we've had everything from what i just said to miraculous healings now from there once you get it and by the way those two people i i'm not convinced but i accepted what they said but fair enough if had they carried on they I would see. have definitely experienced but yeah. by and large that's extremely unusual that's less than one percent of the total number i've ever taught Mm. that have, you know, uh, over 99% have come out saying, yeah, I now know I'm psychic in one way or another, I whether see. it's feeling yeah. psychic energy, whether it's tuning into telepathy, whether it's gaining healing power, experiencing healing power, or whether it be through some particular thing like psychometry or dowsing or whatever, mm. they've walked out and they've got a result. And mm. they've seen others getting results. Mm. Everybody in the class who witnessed this, this student picking up the puma, gained from that because yes. they could see it happening in front yeah. of their eyes. So yeah. they, now, other people can doubt it. Other people can do what they like. Who gives a toss? Mm. But you know, yeah, and that's a starting point. Now, <clears throat> you can take it from there as far as you want to take it. In my case, one of the things I really, really went into and wanted to go into was channeling. But you don't have to do that. You right. could take it in a healing direction. I mean, I remember a case where we had a patient came with a really bad foot. I'm just giving a psychic example sure. here. And the healer was actually, in this case, using a pendulum with the permission of the patient. And they, through the pendulum, diagnosed that that patient needed 
treatment in the stomach area, particularly. Now, the patient said, I don't. This is it's my foot that's hurting. And so they gave, they did both. They treated the foot, but they also treated the stomach area. And later, the patient found out, so that was really good. And by the way, I've got gout, mm. I found out, which was a digestive issue. Mm. So sometimes these psychic abilities can help you. Um, I'm sure many healers will give examples where, sure. you know, you can tune into people. You can do so much. It depends what direction you want to take it in, as long as it's, as long as it's a direction of service. I think, uh, and just coming back to those examples you gave, you know, um, and people kind of, the rest of people in the class benefiting from that experience that someone else had. I think mm. it's two things there for me. One is that it gives you confidence. That's the first thing. The second thing, it also, when it's your own experience, it helps you to distinguish um, between what is your imagination and what is an impression and begin to learn what Absolutely. that is. Absolutely. And it seems like that's what you're saying, like that's one of the keys here. Absolute key. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you won't know, and mm. that's okay. Mm. That's fine. And sometimes I won't know. I might be driving a car, and a thought will pop into my head, which turns out to be correct and useful. But I'm not at that point in a concentrative state. I'm concentrating on driving. Mm. And by the way, don't do this while you're driving. <laughs> Let me quickly say that. Um, but, you know, what, you might be walking down the road. You might be somewhere where you can't really get into it. And the thought is right. And whether that came from a guide, whether it came from your own intuition, you won't know. And you don't necessarily need to know. But if you really want to hone down channeling, which I did, and you're not capable of somatic trance, which I wasn't the, mm -hmm. when I did this, you, you've, you've got to really focus so that you can tell the difference. Want, I want to know the difference got between it. the guide, yeah. the communicator, and me mm. and my thoughts. Mm. And that's quite rare. I think a lot of mediums, you're getting a mix. And Dr. King has stated that. It could be 50% medium, 50% guide. Right, got it. So take us back to this um, this third piece that you've got here, mm. this one from Sir Francis Bacon. Yeah. yeah. So Sir Francis Bacon, um, I, I found him to be quite, I mean, getting the communication from him, mm. um, elevated, quite uh, strict, if that's the right word. These are your impressions of him. These are the, this are the general impressions that I have of him. Um, you know, quite formal. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sort of not a loose, relaxed, hi, hi mate. You know, <laughs> far from that. <laughs> yeah, okay. But never that, who, well, who cares about that? I mean, yeah. he was giving this thing. Sir Francis Bacon, of course, I actually went with Dr. King to visit um, a stately home in Britain that, that Dr. King was asked to... Um, exorcise one of the rooms oh, yeah. in it okay and it's now i think in the national trust uh, but while we were there our host at the time who, who was one of the nobility in britain uh he had an original copy of shakespeare which are very rare. i don't know how many copies there are the original i think about maybe five i could be wrong there but it's very few wow. of the original that came out in 1623 wow and he had one and he was showing us and while he was showing us he said that in his opinion the main author was Sir Francis Bacon, and he, he believed that Sir Francis Bacon was an adept. And Dr. King turned to me and said, well, I've always said that, haven't I, Richard? Hmm. And so he's a very elevated person, I, whether he was an adept in that life. Okay. Strictly, according to the definition of the nine freedoms, possibly not, hmm. but certainly, or he may have been, certainly a very, very elevated person and put in 
uh, a lot of the content of Shakespeare, and that's a whole other probably story as to why he needed to do that. It would have been dangerous for him not to. It's quite a nice show idea, isn't it? it given his position, <laughs> yeah, it is a very interesting <laughs> fact. There's a whole Shakespeare plan, and I, I have had messages from Sir Francis Bacon about that. Wow, okay. Um, but he... I actually went to, to Shakespeare's house with Dr. King. We went together, Stratford-on-Avon. Oh, yeah, yeah. There. Okay, yeah. And, and actually, Dr. King had, had, a, had been overshadowed by William Shakespeare, and he was telling me about it in the house. Wow. And he said that he didn't like it. He did not like the condition, as he called it. Um, he wasn't very impressed by William Shakespeare, the person, uh, at all. Mm. Um, but that will shock some some. Stratfordians or <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, okay, but anyway yeah. Sir Francis Bacon a different sort of person mm. um, interestingly I found out fairly recently that he did a lot of his work on the texts or you know putting to compiling the texts of, of for the Shakespeare publication or folio in Fulham really yeah and wow. I could tell you that the building isn't there now but it's in the, in the in Parsons Green Lane no way. Yes. So a, a lot there. of things uh, okay, have been quite interesting about that. Wow. I also got some, some communications with him which are almost word-for-word word quotes from, I believe it's Romeo and Juliet and uh, one or two of his plays, uh, which I found later and I, I, I hadn't known mm. that they were from those plays. But this particular one was... Uh, dedicated or inspired by the third freedom of service. Shall okay, I, yeah, I please do. Yeah, called, sure. I called it Node to Service. Mm. That was my title. Time passes only to return once more, like some forgotten stranger, eagerly embraced, only to be discarded yet again. Grasp the moment like a drop of dew from heaven. Seek out its source and quench your thirst that others too may be replenished. Noble is he who stays in the ruins when others leave in search of fertile ground. And noble is the lone fisherman who casts his net in turbulent seas while others sail to placid waters. Mighty is the settler in desolate regions, mined quarries and dried up shores. Mighty too is the traveller who passes through this wasteland on his journey to another one. Glorious is the yogi who left sublime retreats for coarse and decadent environs. Oh, how glorious are the lovers of God who never left humanity's abodes, for these are the ones who live the word. Their search is over because it never began, only as a byproduct of service. How holy is that word? And how perfect its enactment. God, there's a man who studied the nine freedoms there. Yeah. And probably the 12 blessings. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's God, beautiful, brilliant themes in there. I mean, yeah. introduces reincarnation, introduces going within with the motive of service. He's, I mean, it, Actually, I've spotted some things in here that I, I've never noticed before. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, pick him out. Yeah. Uh, well, I, only because I'm very focused on the now. Mm. And, of course, the first part of it is all about that. And this had actually passed me by at the time. I, I thought it was beautiful. But I, and where he says, time passes only to return once more. Mm. So it's like time is a fleeting thing. Mm. Like so, some forgotten stranger, eagerly embraced, only to be discarded yet again. Yeah. 
grasps the moment like a drop of dew from heaven. And that's what it is. It's, it's a heavenly thing. It's a, it's a somatic thing. Entering into timelessness. Now, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and of course, timelessness. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what I will do. I'll read a poem I wrote about the now, just so people can see. Oh, the distinction between. The distinction the, between yeah. my literary abilities. <laughs> okay, yeah, and these three it. gentlemen. Go for it. And this is a short thing. It's, it, it's a good thing, I, it, actually, but it's not in the same literary league. Mm-hmm. It's called the now. You don't need to be in a particular place to know it. You don't need time to know it. You don't need internal or external movement to know it. You don't need to think to know it. The reason for an experience is known immediately and completely. The reason to change is known without the need for change. All is known in the now, because of the now, as the now, and as the divine presence which it is. Different style. Different style. Different style. um, But... That's a future teaching. program, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a future program. Yeah. Also profound teaching. No doubt a result of your own experience. That's totally from my own experience, yeah. yeah. That's not a theory there. And I think that's that's a beautiful way to, to bring the show to a close here. So we've had these exceptional literary greats who you have managed to bring through and share, who importantly are studying these teachings and they have this profound insight into the nine freedoms I think they shared in each one of those. Yeah, and I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Dante Alighieri, <laughs> Leo Tolstoy, and Sir Francis Bacon for honoring me with their words. Thank you very much. Everybody's down here. Thanks for tuning into the show. Now, if you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe for more wisdom from the Nine Freedoms. If you'd like to find out more about the Nine Freedoms, about Mars Sector 6 by Dr. George King, go to our website, that's ethereus.org. Richard and I love hearing from you, receiving your comments, your questions, and your spiritual experiences, and talking about them on the show. So do write to us, share them with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Always remember that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. See you next time.